This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Monday afternoon, February 19th, President's Day. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. The markets are closed for the President's Day holiday, but the Noon Business Hour rolls on. We'll take a look at the rest of the week, packed with some closely watched earnings reports. That's in our next segment. But right now, Chicago's LaSalle Street, once the city's epicenter of government and commerce, has significantly declined and it has many business owners concerned about the future of downtown. Joining us to discuss is Bob Reed, business writer and contributor for Chicago Magazine. Bob, thank you for joining us today. And uh, LaSalle Street, like many thoroughfares in downtown Chicago, is adjusting to the new post-pandemic world, one in which uh, workers come downtown maybe three or four days out of the week as opposed to five. And uh, that one fewer day that one day in which people are working from home has a substantial economic impact. Now, there was a plan, Bob, to uh, revitalize and reimagine LaSalle Street, turning some of those old office buildings into uh, apartments. And and where are we now on that plan? Well, the LaSalle Street reimagined uh, project is sort of in limbo right now. You have about five projects that were given the approval in the waning days of the Lori Lightfoot administration They're waiting on some type of city subsidy, probably in the form of tax increment financing. And so far, the uh, Brandon Johnson administration has not signed off on these projects, nor have they dedicated TIF money to it, at least for this year. Uh, And so as a result, these projects are sort of dead in the water, and the developers are wondering where they're going to go. Most of them are waiting to get the uh, green light. But that hasn't happened yet. And, Bob, it's really kind of a, a, an about face for LaSalle Street because about 20 years ago when I first began uh, commuting into the city as a, a newly minted reporter in my hometown of Chicago, I would get off the Rock Island at LaSalle Street Station and walk north on LaSalle Street uh, past the Board of Trade, uh, past the headquarters of major banks, past City Hall. And it just seemed like the political and economic epicenter of the Midwest, and is it possible to restore some of that luster, assuming City Hall is on board with this plan? Well, that's what they're trying to do, but it's going to be a different type of luster, if you will. The plan is to make it a bit more of a mixed-use community, and by that they want to infuse more affordable housing. That's a huge component of these uh, five plans that are out there. And they also want to have a different kind of mix of people. Well, that means different incomes, uh, different ways of uh, life. You know, you don't have, as you note, the bankers, the lawyers, the staff roaming through LaSalle Street 
like you did before. You know, it was considered the Midwest Wall Street. Uh, that is not happening as much as it used to, even though it's anchored by a couple of still big institutions like the Federal Reserve Bank. But you're absolutely right. You don't have the street traffic. You don't have the activity. You know, retail vacancy rate is about 36 percent. Well, that's a sign that the restaurants, stores and such are going through a really tough time. The Loop is Chicago's fastest growing neighborhood and people are still moving downtown, especially post pandemic. I mean, there was a lot of concern in 2020 that uh, downtown was dead and gone uh, simply because uh, remote work was a five day a week venture. And a lot of people who had those condos in the city were purchasing uh, homes in the suburbs or maybe going to a vacation home and working from there. But everyone's back. And is there a potential ceiling to growth in the Loop? Well, and they have to have some place to go. And this is where it gets kind of interesting because these are older office buildings. Now, you may be able to convert them into hotels more easily, but can you really convert them into living spaces? Those are the challenges that developers are going to have to uh, address. You know, the floor plates are different. The windows are different. Uh, It's going to take a lot of money and a lot of uh, restructuring to get these into apartments in some cases. On the other hand, you know, you have these vacancies and you want to be able to do something with them. So it's got to be worth the risk and the effort to convert these buildings. You know, offices are never going to go away completely on LaSalle Street, but there is room to put some residential in there. And they're hoping things like supermarkets and some better retail uh, as well will add some street energy. Bob Reed, business writer and contributor for Chicago Magazine, talking about the future of the LaSalle Street Corridor. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, a preview of a busy week ahead on Wall Street, including key earnings reports in the tech and retail sectors. Markets are closed for the President's Day holiday. They will reopen tomorrow. It's 60 minutes of financial planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The week ahead won't feature a whole lot in the way of economic data, but it will include the latest entries in what's been a fairly good earnings season so far. Let's get a preview from Tom Hudson, financial journalist in Miami. Tom, thank you for joining us today. Uh, some biggies in the uh, consumer and tech space report this week. Indeed they do, Rob. Great to be with you on this uh, market holiday. I, eyes are going to be on NVIDIA, uh, the semiconductor manufacturer, to uh, get this latest sense of this artificial intelligence boom. NVIDIA has been just such an enormous beneficiary of the business brought on by the AI boom, as well as the investor attention brought to NVIDIA shares by the AI boom. It's been uh, huge gains in portfolios, and the latest quarterly numbers are likely to justify the uh, incredible rise that uh, shareholders have been experiencing and really put to rest, at least for the time being, some questions around valuation despite some of these enormous gains that uh, shares of NVDA have experienced. What is going to happen if NVIDIA either comes in below analyst expectations or uh, surprises to the upside? Well, uh, I I think it'll be certainly a knee-jerk reaction one way or the other, because the market is poised for pretty good news out of NVIDIA. It It would really have to be a blockbuster number on the upside for it to, I think, muster the kind of uh, uh, dollars that it would take for a really big increase in NVIDIA. But boy, I mean, this is all relative at this point. This is a stock that's, what, up 50% over the past few months, triple-digit gains easily over the past year or so. I mean, it it has been in fuego for a good long time. And here's the thing, though, Rob, the business, the underlying business 
has been justifying these increases. On a valuation basis, this stock is cheaper today than it was a year ago. We're setting up the week ahead with Tom Hudson, financial journalist in Miami. Uh, Two names reporting tomorrow, uh, which also serve as barometers on economic activity, Walmart and Home Depot. Yeah. Well, um, listen, uh, Home Depot, I think, is going to be a read, of course, on uh, interest rates to some degree because of home improvement, construction, and the appetite for uh, homeowners to either do home improvements or home builders to uh, find the land in the area and then, of course, the capital that it takes to build homes. Walmart, on the other hand, is a company that, despite its size, is a company that continues to innovate. And, you know, you look at the underlying uh, retail business, which is going to be impressive, uh, but I think looking at its business online and how it continues to find ways to compete and compete effectively with Amazon is a place for shareholders to look if you are looking into Walmart of the future. Last week was bookended by uh, two reads on inflation that indicated that it might be uh, heating up once again. And what is the debate heading into this week uh, about just the state of the economy? Is it is it close to overheating, or are there some recessionary signals? We're we're back at this kind of Goldilocks moment, I think, Rob, where uh, you've got those those long delayed voices of a recession have have bubbled up again and concern about it being too hot, that the economy is too hot with with the unemployment rate even still below four percent and inflation beginning to pick up. I I think the Federal Reserve has taken all this and has been very clear to say, listen, market, we're not going to be doing much, if anything, for for several months here to let kind of this shake out a little bit. This week, we're going to get the Fed's preferred inflation number, the PCE figure of the personal income and spending numbers. And, you know, this has been cooling off, but it's still not at the level that the Fed is comfortable with in order to take its foot off of the break, a.k.a. Uh, uh, reduce interest rates. It's, 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 it's off the table, and the market's kind of adjusting to that right now, and so is all of the, uh, the uh, financial-industrial uh, conversation. Tom Hudson, financial journalist in Miami, Florida. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, it's President's Day, and that means the sales are on. Money Talks, as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. From cars to mattresses, President's Day has become a retail-centric event as many businesses deploy dead presidents to push their products. Let's talk about the effectiveness of such sales with Bob Fibbs, CEO of the Retail Doctor in New York. Bob, thank you for joining us today. And the interesting thing about the history of President's Day as a retail and commerce day is that it wasn't always this way. In fact, uh, President's Day was a day off for a lot of people. Well, it was, but hey, we just did Valentine's Day. So what else are we going to be able to talk to you about? We're going to come <laughs> up with something we can get you in the store for. And when did when did uh, did 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 the retail industry? When did stores? When did car dealers? When did mattress shops decide uh, come to the conclusion that uh, President's Day was in fact a, a good time to sell stuff? Well, I think they noticed that uh, again. It was before his President's Day. It was actually Washington's, and it was uh, Lincoln's birthday. So we actually had two. So unfortunately, we've lost one, or depending on how you look at it, we might actually have three versions of it out there. But uh, also, let's face it, most people are buying heavy, big uh, 
items like that after you've been penned in for a while. So it's before springs, before graduations, before all of those kind of things. And look, we are, as marketers, we're looking for a hook to get you into the store. So whatever we can do to uh, get you in, that's great. And on top of that, uh, President's Day, uh, unlike some other Monday-related holidays, whether it's Memorial Day or Martin Luther King Jr. Day, it it may seem tacky on some other uh, bank holidays to uh, make that a retail and sales occasion, but uh, President's, that's that's a little more uh, acceptable, I guess. I just loved your vision of dead presidents uh, selling mattresses. I was just curious how that would look <laughs> with AI nowadays. You know, next year we might actually have Lincoln and Washington selling them to us, right? Now, I remember uh, that may- maybe they're still around, and, and but there was America's Best. Uh, they sold eyeglasses, and there was a commercial back in the 90s. Now, he wasn't a president, but uh, there was an animated Ben Franklin uh, extolling the virtues of uh, America's Best uh, eyewear. So that's not entirely outside. <laughs> the realm of possibility well back in the 90s uh fred astaire's estate got in trouble because they licensed his image to a vacuum cleaner company and they had fred dancing as he was vacuuming and people said this is sacrilege how could you do this with a a dead actor and the estate was like well we got to make money somehow well, that, that, that leads to a very good question. That is, um, we live in polarized times, and it seems that the, the earliest presidents, Washington, Jefferson, everybody before the Civil War, essentially, probably doesn't, it doesn't make anybody upset. You could have uh, uh, an AI George Washington uh, selling mattresses on President's Day one day. But once you get into uh, modern times, I mean, if you had like FDR selling something, someone was going to get upset. I was just picturing uh, General Sherman, uh, uh, who marched to the South and decimated. Yeah, you don't see spokespeople for for controversial things like that. And the other thing about President's Day is it's not a line to honor anyone, right? We're not honoring someone who has uh, fallen in battle like that. We're honoring the the uh, memory of what they did at an early stage in our country's life. So to your point, it is safe to be able to have dead presidents sell us mattresses and furniture. And all you listening should go into a brick and mortar store today and show how much you love Abraham Lincoln and George Washington. I and, think that's important. Do it, do it for Grover Cleveland, because uh, quite frankly, he deserves some recognition as well. Or James A. Garfield. Bob Fibb, CEO of The Retail Doctor, based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead, some advice for teenagers looking to land a summer job, plus a couple of suggestions from our Monday stock picker. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station, News Radio 1059. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Investigators look for the cause of a deadly fire on Chicago's South Side. The widow of Russia's opposition leader talks about her husband's death in prison. As the calendar moves toward March, it's time for teenagers to start a summer job search. It's Stock Picker Monday. We'll get a pair of suggestions from a money pro. WBBM Business. The markets are closed for the President's Day holiday. We have 46 degrees right now at O'Hare under partly sunny skies going up to a sunny 48. It's 1231, topping our news at the half hour. An investigation is underway after a fire yesterday that left a man on Chicago's far south side dead. Crews responded at around 6 o'clock in the evening to a two-story coach house in the 600 block of East 89th Place. The family of 70-year-old Howard Crydell calls him, uh, calls him a selfless family man. Danielle Newton is his daughter. She tells CBS2. We just thought it was a false alarm. Yeah. Literally. We were in here making plans, you know, helping my grandmother make plans. And it was something totally different. The family says this is the second fire to happen at the home. Crydell wasn't there during the first fire. European Union ministers are meeting in Brussels. They've invited the widow of the late Russian dissident Alexei Navalny to speak to them. Joseph Borrell tells the BBC. In Russia, there are people who want to live in freedom. And these people have been fighting together with Navalny. And many, which are anonymous, has also been sent to jail and maybe dead. Navalny's widow Yulia tells her husband's supporters in a video message that she will continue his work. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are closed for the President's Day holiday. They will reopen tomorrow. That gives us a chance to talk about earnings season and the health of the financial markets in the first quarter of the year. We welcome in Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer, Crescent Capital in Chicago. Jack, thank you for joining us today. And so far in 2024, until last week, it seemed like the uh, rally to end 2023 continued. Uh, there was a little bit of a wobble at the, uh, at the at the onset of the year, but uh, it seemed like the numbers and, and everything, the, the market liked what it saw uh, as January rolled on. And do the uh, two inflation reports last week have the potential to uh, upset that momentum? Yeah, that's it. You know, keep in mind, uh, the market is really pivoting off of two things, earnings, which Actually, we're pretty good. It was the first earnings uh, quarter that we've seen in in four. Um, And also interest rates. Why? Because that's the multiple. And unfortunately, interest rates, which started the year at about 388, have really spiked well into the fours. Uh, And I think that is finally creating some gravity uh, for some of these stocks. 
And then we have uh, three biggies reporting this week. Uh, one, NVIDIA it will, will give us a good read on, on where they are as far as the artificial intelligence boom is concerned. But we also have Walmart and Home Depot, and those are two uh, consumer-facing uh, stocks that are also uh, interest rate sensitive. That's it. I mean, keep in mind, Walmart represents roughly 10% of retail. So I think you'll have a pretty good handle on the, uh, on the shape of the consumer uh, when we hear that, that uh, report. And of course, Home Depot uh, taps into the housing market. We are going to get a couple of housing market reports this week as well. Now, let's say uh, NVIDIA does uh, beat analyst expectations. Uh, could we see a little bit of a sugar high as the week rolls on? Um, sure. I think, you know, NVIDIA has certainly been a rocket ship on uh, the AI boom, and I think it is probably one of the most tangible uh, companies where you can capitalize on that on that trend. Um, so, so far, unless they have a shortage of supply, uh, the demand for uh, those uh, advanced chips is, is limitless right now. And if we get uh, the, 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 the latest and uh, arguably the most important read on inflation later this week when the PCE comes out, that is the Fed's preferred inflation gauge. And it seems like a lot of doubt is starting to creep in uh, to some of the markets about the, uh, the fight against inflation and uh, the, the plan as far as interest rate cuts is concerned. And what could we see later this week when the PCE number comes out? Yeah, so PCE has actually been uh, a little more quiescent than the uh, in, than the CPI, which is uh, certainly the widely watched uh, index, which disappointed. It came in 3.1, but still uh, higher than uh, what the market was anticipating. So if we could get a, a quiet PCE, that could perhaps boost some enthusiasm that we could see uh, lower short-term rates relatively soon. Meanwhile, of course, if you look at the chances for a March rate hike, they were as, they were as high as 80 uh, percent as we entered 2024, and, and now they're below 10 percent. So I think that kind of personifies uh, the uh, anticipation and then subsequent disappointment that investors have with uh, lower uh, Fed rates sooner. So uh, basically, uh, the the story of 2024, unless something else comes along, is going to be, uh, it's not waiting for Godot, it's waiting for the Fed. That's it. Jay Powell and company want really to see tangible evidence that uh, inflation is really coming down. And as long as the underlying economy is strong, they are emboldened, they, they feel that they can keep rates higher for longer without damaging the jobs market uh, and uh, and spending. And so I think that's why the Home Depot and uh, Walmart reports are going to be, um, you know, important indicators. But right now, the uh, you know, sure, inflation is pretty strong, but so is the economy as well. Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer, Crescent Capital in Chicago. Thank you for joining us. Coming up next, we're getting a running start on the summer job search for teens. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Rising temperatures the middle of the week will likely trigger thoughts of warmer days ahead and maybe even some summer jobs. Let's talk about getting an edge on the competition with Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern in Chicago. Rick, thank you for joining us today. And the last time the markets were closed on the Martin Luther King holiday, we talked about the importance of uh, starting your summer camp search sooner rather than later. And uh, that's certainly the case right now because they're starting to fill up and 
demand is high. Uh, should you be as proactive with summer jobs? Absolutely. And actually, if depending on, we've got three questions we want to ask, but if you think you could be a good camp counselor, this that would be a great place to go. And we can talk about that in a second. The first question you have to ask yourself about an internship or a summer job is, why do you want it? And they're kind of two to three categories. One of them is you won't need to make money. Maybe you can't afford school unless you're uh, carrying your own weight. Uh, two, the experience, because you have a chance to do something that will further your uh, desires in the career that you're interested in. The third one that people don't pay much attention to, though, is network. Uh, people still get jobs from people they know. And so having a network in your community is a great way to get a head start on other people in terms of finding out about opportunities. Because it feels like the, the, it's, a, it's a two-pronged approach or, or, or two different types of jobs. There's the I'm in high school and I'd like to make a little extra spending money for the summer type of job. The aforementioned camp counselor or maybe you work at a golf course or maybe you work at a, a local uh, uh, hamburger stand or ice cream shop. Uh, can you take this all the way up to summer vacation? Is is the labor market for teens still in flux? Well, the labor market for teens is is still I would I would state and some of this is anecdotal still hot because unlike uh, my experience many many years ago we won't say how many uh, the tech experience that 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 teens have now is transferable immediately. We just ran a not-for-profit event uh, a month ago, and the the guy that was running our technology was 14 years old, and we didn't know what he was doing, but he fixed everything. So that's great. So the opportunities for people who want to find work is absolutely there and will continue to be there. I think it's really important, though, to figure out what it is that you're trying to do. The people who go into internships, paid or not, have a much higher chance of getting a job after school and also getting an offer from the company they were doing the the internship for uh, during that period. So that's a great avenue. But if you don't know where you want to go or money's an issue for you, what you mentioned earlier, uh, swimming instruction, tutoring for children, camp counselors, not only are those great jobs in terms of pay relative to others, but they also put you in a networking environment with people that have the ability to refer you or offer you an opportunity in their own work. And, and that's networking is always great. Well, on, on the professional aspiration side of the coin, I mean, my spring break of my freshman year at Marquette. So this is about March of 1999, so roughly 25 years ago. I called on a bunch of radio stations in downtown Chicago. I remember <laughs> taking the train from my parents' house and visiting WNUA, the smooth jazz station, to see if they had any openings that particular summer. But that was back when people would go downtown five days a week. So how can you get internship experience and learn the ways of a professional office when there isn't an office or an office that meets three days a week instead of five? Sure, but there the, a lot of the skill sets that people in high school or they're early in college they have skill sets that are incredibly valuable to mid-sized to small businesses. I mean, someone who's conversant and comfortable with Excel spreadsheets—that's the actual that's the platform that most coding experiences are built off of. And I can tell you from my own experience, bringing a, a freshman from the Kelly Business School in for an internship, I gave him something to do. He said, okay. He came back two hours and said, okay, I have the information. I said, no, no, I told you. Yeah, we were going to give it to you. It'll be done. He said, no, I'm done. There's nobody at our company that could have, could have solved that problem that I presented to him 
in two weeks, let alone in three hours. So that's the skill set that everybody's dying for. And you just have to make sure that you can articulate your ability to do that. I think it's really critical, though, for people that are looking for jobs, particularly when you're talking about teenagers. No one that you're talking to cares at all about what you want. That's much harder for this generation to hear than it was for me, but it's still true. So what's critical is when you're talking to someone about an opportunity, you want to understand what they do and how interested you are in that. And you're not trying to figure out whether they will give you something you want. You want them to give you something because until they offer you an opportunity, you can't say no. So your whole goal is to get the offer before you decide whether you want it. Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm to discern in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Stock Picker Monday is next. Money Matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Stock Picker Monday. Joining us with a pair of investment ideas is Jeff Kilberg, founder and CEO of KKM Financial based in Chicago. Jeff, thank you for joining us today. Two selections on this Stock Picker Mondays. And then the first one comes from a sector that uh, took its lumps, especially in the last year. No doubt about it. When you talk about Coinbase, uh, C-O-I-N, that is really tracking the cryptocurrency. And you've seen cryptocurrency rejuvenate. You've seen Bitcoin itself go from under 25000 just this past fall to above $52,000 today. So Coinbase, which, to your point, in 2022 was down 85%. We saw it nearly get crushed. It was up nearly 400% in 2023. So this is something I've owned for a while and I continue to own because you're seeing follow through. BlackRock and a couple of the other big ETF providers have come out with Bitcoin ETFs. You've seen $6 billion flow into these Bitcoin ETF for iShares, iBit, I-B-I-T. And I think that type of retail access is really propelling cryptocurrencies. And your next one actually reports uh, this week and it's been a, a huge driver of the market so far. It has. It's kind of replaced Apple. We always talk about where Apple went, the market went. Well, NVIDIA. NVIDIA, which is the, the global chips, artificial intelligence chip maker, you know, they, they create all the GPUs, the graphics processing units. But right now, you're seeing it a near $2 trillion market cap. So this company continues to move higher and higher. The, the bar is quite high, though, Rob. So I've owned it for quite some time. I'm a little cautious going in. But remember, in 2022, NVIDIA was down 50%. We saw it just absolutely crushed. We were concerned about demand for chips. Now, artificial intelligence, which is every part of our life as we move forward, we saw a resurgence in the stock up 250% in 2023. It's up another 46% year-to-date. So big earnings report on Wednesday. I think it's going to influence short-term equity direction. So if you are cautious or you want to hedge it, I think you have to consider using an option overlay here. But this is something I'm going to continue to own, despite the fact the expected volatility, Rob, is a 10% move. We're talking $75 to $100 in, in, in a click of a click of an eye. I mean, yeah, especially with NVIDIA, which has the potential to be a massive market mover this week in one direction or the other, if it uh, exceeds expectations or comes in a little below what analysts were expecting. Well, that's right. And you're seeing year over year, you're seeing a 300% growth. Expected revenue is over $20 billion. So to see that type of parabolic move, remember just last earnings report, the market moved for NVIDIA up 25%. So the stock has gone from $500 to $750. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit of a pullback for those folks who have not gotten into NVIDIA, the AI darling out there and the technology darling. This is an opportunity on a pullback. Jeff Kilberg, founder and CEO, KKM Financial in Chicago. Thank you for joining us on this Stock Picker Monday. 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.